Welcome to The Scientist's Lab Talk, a special edition podcast produced by The Scientist's Creative Services team, where we explore topics at the leading edge of innovative research. This episode is brought to you by Miris Bio. For over 25 years, Miris Bio has pioneered the development of transfection reagents and proprietary technologies for nucleic acid delivery applications. They are establishing the future of science and medicine by developing products that enable product developers within the cell and gene therapy space. As we approach a new era of addressing and conquering life-altering diseases, Miris Bio will continue to expand their expertise and leadership in transfection to be integral in the future of advanced therapies. Researchers commonly employ lentiviruses to modify cells genetically. However, they must overcome several challenges when using these viruses in the laboratory or clinic. In this episode, Charlene Lancaster from the Scientist's Creative Services team spoke with Filippo Rossignoli, instructor in neurosurgery at the Center for Stem Cell and Translational Immunotherapy at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School, about using lentiviruses to engineer cell therapies and the troubleshooting process he undertook to optimize viral production and infection. Hello, Dr. Rosa Noli. Thank you for joining me today. You currently work in the Center for Stem Cell and Translational Immunotherapy under the direction of Dr. Khalid Shah. How did you two meet? Very unsurprisingly, our first connection was at a conference. It was just a very quick exchange. However, what's more interesting is that a few years afterwards, he came to Modena, uh, where I was at the time. Modena is a beautiful city in Italy and is very famous for several things, among which being the birthplace of tenor Luciano Pavarotti, but also, before that, being the birthplace of Enzo Ferrari, the founder of Ferrari Car Manufacturer. There is an amazing Ferrari museum in, uh, in Modena, and Dr. Shah really liked the idea of visiting it. So we went together, and basically I had my job interviewing the car while I was driving us there to the museum. Now that you've been working with Dr. Shaw, what is the main focus of your research? I'm developing immune therapies to treat glioblastoma. The general goal is to wake up the patient's immune system and direct it against the tumor. And this is done by empowering a variety of stem uh, or immune cells through cell engineering. For example, they can deliver immune-activating molecules or we can generate potent CAR T cells to engage and kill the malignant cells. We just published two papers in Science Translational Medicine earlier this year. In one, we developed a platform of stem cells that were gene-edited and gene-engineered to stimulate an immune response towards a brain metastatic melanoma. And in the other one, we created a vaccine based on therapeutic cancer cells that are engineered to induce direct tumor killing and drive anti-tumor immunity. So basically, tumor cells becoming therapeutic cells that kill the rest of the tumor cells. Your work centers on developing novel cell-based therapies to treat patients with cancer. How do you produce these therapeutics in the laboratory? Most of this is based on lentiviruses. Lentiviruses are a genus of retroviruses. And the most notorious member of this uh, group is the HIV virus. When these viruses infect a cell, they integrate their genome in the DNA of the cells in order to exploit the cell's machinery and produce more viruses. But here comes what I think is the beauty of the scientific process. 
when the researchers elucidated this mechanism, they immediately saw the incredible opportunity that was in front of them. These viruses represented a key to enter the DNA of a cell. In the years, these viral vectors were improved in terms of safety and efficacy. And right now, they are very accessible to all labs. We mainly use them to engineer the cells, whether they are immune cells, the cancer cells, or stem cells. We can use lentiviruses to give them new functions, change the function that they have, or completely replace entire molecular pathways. In this way, we transform the cells into tools that can be used for our therapeutic purposes. How do researchers generate lentiviral particles? The starting point are three or four plasmids that contains the gene of interest, and this is the transfer plasmid, and two or three helper plasmids that encodes for all the viral components, the structural proteins, the enzymes, everything that the virus needs to infect and integrate the DNA in the host cell. Once we have these plasmids, the virus needs to be produced. The factory is most commonly a cell line called 293T, which supports high-level viral protein production. But this uh, step of introducing the plasmids in the 293T cells is called transfection and is critical and normally is aided by reagents that contain synthetic polymers that can improve the DNA intake of the cell. The virus is produced in the cell and is eventually released in the supernatant. The supernatant is collected, filtered to remove any potential cells and can be concentrated through ultracentrifugation or uh, ultrafiltration. The virus is titered to measure the effective concentrations, and then it's used uh, on the cells to infect them. In the end, uh, high titer, high quality, and high purity viruses are fundamental to infect hard-to-transduce cells. Uh, if the virus is good, the cytotoxicity is low, and this results in an increase uh, in the efficiency of transduction. Scientists regularly use lentiviruses in the laboratory, but performing lentiviral infections can be challenging. What makes this process so difficult? This process might seem easy on paper, but every kind of cell brings their own challenges to this infection process. For example, there is a big difference in infecting cell lines versus patient-derived primary cells, fast-growing cells versus slow-growing cells, or stem cells versus specialized cells. In my case, I had a hard time infecting immune cells, which are among the cell types most resistant to gene transfer. Looking online, I noticed that uh, most often you only find a part of the story. Protocols sometimes are overlooked, especially in papers where scientists focus more on the results. Every lab has little variations to the standard protocols, and sometimes there are unassuming details that are not reported, but in the end, they are critical. I understand that you undertook an extensive troubleshooting process to optimize the infection of immune cells with lentiviruses. How did you improve the initial production of lentiviral particles? Regarding to the plasmids, I was testing different backbones, optimizing the DNA sequences, and trying to improve the quality of the DNA. It's very important to have clean DNA devoid of endotoxins. So I compared different isolation kits 
different mini prep kits, maxi prep kits, because uh, some of them have specific regions that claim to clean these endotoxins. I found which one was giving me better results, better concentrations and, and better overall quality. Then the virus packaging part, the first thing I did was improve the quality of the cell factories, these 293 T cells, just getting rid of what we had in the lab because I didn't know how all these cells were, how were they treated or stored or frozen and get a new batch of high quality, well-performing, fast-growing 293 T cells. And then the other part is the transfection process. I tried a variety of products. The, the first one that was uh, already in the lab was the homemade calcium chloride. That's cheap, but not very effective. Then I tried polymer-based products, and eventually I landed on transit virus gen from mirrors. After generating the lentiviral particles, you needed to concentrate them before transducing the immune cells. How did you troubleshoot these last steps? Next was the concentration step. This step is very important to preserve the quality and not losing the virus in the process of concentrating it. So originally I was uh, using ultracentrifugation, uh, which is lengthy. And then there is the final moment when you have your viral pellet at the bottom of your uh, tube. When you remove the supernatal, you need to be careful. You can lose some. And for such a long process, risking to uh, lose it at the last step. So then I started using ultra filtration, which gives amazing results in a fraction of the time. There are no invisible pellets to see. There are not many steps that can go wrong because of bad handling. The final step of the whole process is the infection. And this is uh, like a, a whole world on its own. I tried a variety of reagents that can be supplemented in the culture to improve the infection. Protamine sulfate and polybrain are traditionally the most used. Then some cell-specific considerations can be made. For example, when I had to infect NK cells, it was very helpful to introduce an inhibitor to lower the cell defenses uh, mechanism against the viral infections because these are immune cells. They have also some innate mechanisms to protect them from viral infections. Other aspects to keep in consideration are culture conditions, for example, serum or other supplements can influence the efficiency of infection. It might be worth trying a um, defined medium with no serum or with very low percentages of serum just for the infection step. And then the actual infection process is another step that can be optimized. Uh, the virus can be added directly in the culture medium, and then the cells are just incubated in the incubator as normal. They can be first centrifuged with the virus, or they can also be kept in rotation for a, a couple of hours with the virus and then put back in culture. You mentioned that you discovered the MIRS transit virus gen transfection region during your troubleshooting process. What is the purpose of this product, and when did you consider using it? It's a region uh, designed to enhance the delivery of the helper plasmid and the transfer plasmid in the 293 T cells and allows the production of a higher, tighter, better performing uh, antivirus. We were pretty far in the project because at the beginning, uh, we were not smart enough to start questioning the very basic steps that always worked in the lab. We did not consider changing the transfection step. 
we were focusing more on the infection part and not much on the virus production part. Eventually, we realized that we're not making big Im uh, improvements. And so we went back and we found out about mirrors and virus gen. So uh, I think it allowed us to get this high titer, high quality virus that we were lacking at the beginning. With that, we could then optimize the other steps of the infection. And finally, we got this high efficiency infection that we were really looking for. So we moved already to the in vivo phase of the project. It's about time to wrap it up and publish the paper. But as you can imagine, other projects really benefit from troubleshooting, lining the whole process. Many projects are now uh, ready or almost ready to be published, and they really benefited from all this. Thank you, Dr. Rosanoli, for taking the time to speak with me today. I have one final question. If someone came to you for advice on how to improve their lentiviral infections, what would you tell them? Don't be stuck on something just because it worked in the past. Science evolves, technology evolves. Think of every variable, every procedure in the process, how that could be improved, what alternatives are available. Sometimes having a more methodical approach can be lengthy at first, but then eventually can give like more robust results that last in time. Thank you for listening to the Scientist Lab Talk. And thanks again to Filippo Rossignoli, instructor in neurosurgery at the Center for Stem Cell and Translational Immunotherapy at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. To keep up to date with this podcast, follow The Scientist on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to The Scientist's Lab Talk wherever you get your podcasts.